I had a variety of roles. I was in London, I was in Australia. And when I came back to to London, um, I was like blown away by just the, if I'm honest, like it was super blatant sexism and issues. Um, And I just... I just was like, this cannot be right. But to be honest with you, I look back and I think, wow, I didn't know any better. Like, I didn't know to speak up. I didn't know to, like, I knew it wasn't quite right. And I was like, scratching my head thinking, this is strange. Um, But I didn't really, I wasn't informed. You know, I was in my um, late 20s. So, you know, I had, the penny hadn't dropped for me. Um, But when I moved from when I made that move after I had the children from London to Singapore, it was then that I came here and then that fire, as you said in the intro, kind of like emerged again. And I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Like as soon as I started looking at entrepreneurship and like it's startup and angel investing and I was like, hang on, where are all the women? And then I, and what would happen is I would go to pitches and they would roll out a marketing woman like in the corner, just so they could say they were, you know, gender diverse or they had a woman in their team, <laughs> um, a silent marketing woman. And I was like, no. And then I kind of was like, looked inwards and re- remembered all of this inequality that I had in my early career. And I was like, aha. And I sort of joined the pieces together at that point. Welcome to the Jobs for Women podcast, an inclusive jobs and career space for women and non-binary individuals. My name is Zoe Jones. I am your host. I'm a careers coach, life coach, marketer and yoga teacher, and I've worked for some of the biggest corporations in the world. But right now I'm committed to breaking down barriers to change the narrative surrounding gender equality and diversity at work. So whether you're a HR leader or a job seeker looking to dive into a male-dominated industry, this podcast is for you. Each week we'll have real, open and honest conversations about diversity at work, discrimination, the gender pay gap and everything in between. I'll raise topical debates about women at work, I'll speak to industry leaders and I can't wait to offer some career-related meditation and manifestation extra special bonus podcasts. So watch out for those. I am so happy to have you here. Grab yourself a hot drink and settle down for the Jobs for Women podcast. Just to let you know, we had some audio issues in this week's episode, but that does not take away from the content and our fabulous guest, Tanya Rolfe, and everything that she shares with us. So do keep listening and we'll be back to our usual audio quality standards next week. Welcome to another episode of the Jobs for Women podcast. I'm really excited to welcome this week's guest, Tanya Rolfe, who is the co-founder at Sophia. Sophia is a platform for women to address the gender wealth and investing gap. After years of working in corporate law firms and seeing huge gender issues, Tanya decided it was time for change and put that fire in her belly to work to address gender inequality. When Tanya moved from London to Singapore, she started the first all-female angel investment group to invest into women like startups. The Angel Group organically morphed into a venture capital fund. Tanya experienced firsthand that women were the answer to the gender bias she saw within entrepreneurship. Female founders received less than 3% of all venture capital funding. 
Sophia was born with a mission to educate and empower women to mobilize the almost $93 trillion in wealth held by women. Sophia not only teaches women how to gain control of their personal finances, but also addresses the gender wealth gap and gender investing gap. Sophia works with corporates who want to offer the courses to their employees and to financial institutions who want to better connect with their female customers. Tanya is also the co-founder at Harriet. Harriet supports female founders as they fundraise for external capital. At Harriet, they work with founders to help secure the right funding for their business and they partner with strategic venture capital funds with a focus on bridging the gender gap, an important yet challenging metric for many VCs. Wow, what an introduction. I'm so excited to have you here. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Zoe. Super happy to be here, especially with you. I feel like we're <laughs> we're super connected because of how we met. Yes, yeah, so I'll just tell everyone watching or listening how we met. We met on something called NCT and we were both living in London at the time. And that was um, a program that you can sign up for to get help with you know having your first baby but really it's just a networking and meeting opportunity to meet other people go about to go through and embark on parenthood which is pretty scary so yeah so we met NCT formed a great connection lots of similar interests like yoga and it's just really exciting to be speaking to you um in a business sort of framework as I think our businesses are very aligned. So let's kick off. Can you talk us through the early stages of your career? I know you worked in lots of private practice law firms, but just to let everyone know um, where your career started out. It feels like many moons ago and also it feels really strange because now I'm, you know, being in this immersed into entrepreneurship, both my my own ventures, but also women led companies and supporting them. So it feels super strange to be to think back that I used to be in this very structured law law kind of environment because it's super rigid, um, and it's the opposite of what where I think I fit. But anyway, I remember falling into the career um, of working in law. Because I thought this is a very reputable, noble career choice. I'm going to go and do this. Um, and off I went and it was super frustrating. Um, and, um, and the, I had a variety of roles. I was in London. I was in Australia. And when I came back to, to London, um, I was like blown away by just the, if I'm honest, like it was super blatant sexism and issues. Um, and I just, I just was like, this cannot be right. But to be honest with you, I look back and I think, wow, I didn't know any better. Like I didn't know to speak up. I didn't know to, like, I knew it wasn't quite right. And I was like scratching my head thinking this is strange. Um, but I didn't really, I wasn't informed, you know, I was in my, um, late twenties. So, you know, I had the penny hadn't dropped for me. Um, but when I moved from when I made that move after I had the children from London to Singapore, it was then that I came here. And then that fire, as you said in the intro, kind of like emerged again. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like as soon as I started looking at entrepreneurship and like it's startup and angel investing. And I was like, hang on, where are all the women? And then I, and what would happen is I would go to pitches and they would roll out a marketing woman. Like in the corner, just so they could say they were 
you know, gender diverse or they had a woman in their team, um, a silent marketing woman. And I was like, no. And then I kind of was like, looked inwards and re remembered all of this inequality that I had in my early career. And I was like, aha. And I sort of joined the pieces together at that point. Wow. So, you know, when you talked about, excuse me, in um, early career, it's, I, I can relate to that a lot because it's almost like we just got on with it. We didn't seek mm. up. It was kind of like the norm. If we even recognized it, it's, it's, it was, it's always sort of been there. But I think, especially as I've got older now, I'm, I've got so much fire in my belly about this. And especially <laughs> like we've talked, we both had have daughters and there's something like I went to um, uh, like a training session the other day and I was talking about jobs for women and I talked about my daughter and I was like, she can be anything. She can be a CEO. She can be whatever she wants. And it was, I was getting really passionate and I was like, this is what's driving me because I don't want her to have the same experiences that we've had. Do you think, um, when you think about your early law career, do you think, I know you're not working in that area now. Do you reckon it's still the same? Do you reckon those practices are 100% yeah 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 I don't I don't see a lot of movement the, the the topics of conversation because I have many lawyer friends still and many and I just recently did a um a, a webinar like a conference um sorry a talk to the associate Singapore's general counsel committee so it's like they've got 400 general counsels so lawyers and um and we chatted afterwards and everything they said, like my stomach sort of dropped because I was like, oh God, I've been, we've been talking about that for 15 years. Um, this is boring. Like move, like we know all of this and nothing's changed. And I was like, wow, I really made the right decision to step away. Like, yeah. oh, we need more female lawyers. Oh, we need more, um, you know, sociable working hours. Oh, we need this. Yeah. We knew that 20 years ago though. And look, we're still not there. So I feel like, I feel like the whole world sits, gets stuck in doing reports and like, oh, let's do some analysis. Mm. Let's do another report. Um, no, we don't need any more reports. The date's pretty clear. Start with the research and take some action and yeah. improve things because that is what's going to move the needle. Not more reports, not more data. We don't need that. Yeah, you need action, don't we? So how has that then influenced and shaped your career now? So you've moved out of law. You're doing some incredible things. You've got your two businesses. Can you talk us through how those experiences in early career and this fire in your belly has, you know, inspired the way in which you're going now? Um, so, yeah, I, I really... Um, when I, when I came to Singapore and I had these two tiny children and um, I really thought... I want to do something. I don't want to go back to law. What should I do? And I started with started with this angel investment network, and it was a pure network of women, um, women like me, because um, Singapore is full of um, uh, of women that had previous careers, and perhaps they moved to Singapore with their husband more often than not, um, and um, they for jobs, etc. And so. I thought there must be more women like me who want to support female entrepreneurs. And so went out and gathered a group of women who had some money to invest and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and kind of did that for a few years and realized, wow, there really is a lot of women founders out there. And when I looked at 
well, who's investing investing into? I realized that they're just not investing into women, right? Um, so um, okay, well, this is an this is an arbitrage opportunity because if women are fifty one percent of the population, it cannot be true that all of the entrepreneurial talent resides in 49% of the population. It's going to be evenly distributed, you know, newsflash for everyone out there. So um, I thought, well, this is an opportunity because I can invest into these women. I'm not fighting with other people to invest in and to support these women because no one the ecosystem, the investors are not that interested. So this is an opportunity. This is a smart business investment opportunity. Mm-hmm. So um, rolled it into a venture. Oh, oh, I think I've lost. I've just lost some sound. I can't hear you. Oh, really? Oh, there, there. You're back. You're back. I think it was oh. when you touched your mic. Anyway, go for it. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, and um, and went out to the market and said, hey. We've got these amazing female entrepreneurs um, and um, we want to raise some money for our fund so we can invest into them. The response was, well, really? There are female entrepreneurs um, in this region that are good, that are investable, that actually have good businesses. What really? Um, and what about you? You're a female fund manager. Like we, we, we haven't seen this before. Like it was like so many barriers that just stumped investors just and and I said hold on a minute this is ridiculous um and so and the reason that these investors didn't know that these women founders exist is because women entrepreneurs are not knocking on the door of these traditional venture capitalists and investors because you've only got to go on their website for five minutes to see that generally there's not many women in their portfolio of investments so Who's going to go knocking on their door? Oh, I think I'll go and waste my time on this VC who's never invested into a woman before. Like, um, and especially as I'm building a business for endometriosis or period care or, you know, menopause. Oh, these guys will definitely understand that. No, this is not happening. So all of these investors think that there are no women out there building businesses. There are. They're just not knocking on your door for obvious reasons, and I don't mm. blame them. So, um, so I just said, hold on a second. I'm not going to bang my head on a brick wall trying to convince men um, and the investors, and not just men. Actually, there's lots of women who have sort of grown up in that and edu- been been trained by the ecosystem, by VCs and investor with a with the mindset, and they've become products of that environment too, right? So they've mm-hmm. been trained to spot a good deal in a certain way. So they're just as biased actually. Um, but um, I I said, I, I don't want my impact on the world to be that I managed to bang my head on this wall and get a million, $10 million. And I invested that into female, female 10, 15 female entrepreneurs. Actually, the real solution is to get women investing. Why aren't women investing? And that's when I dived into where are all the women in the investment space? Um, and really, as you said in the intro, women have $93 trillion. This is no small amount of money collectively. This is a lot of power. We don't have to go with our begging bowls asking for money mm. from guys that don't understand endometriosis or period care. Great if they want to get on board. Fantastic. And I'm not saying we need to exclude men. We need an inclusive um, investment ecosystem. But 
we also need to understand as women that we have a lot of power within ourselves that we can mobilize. And the way to do that, in my opinion, is through education, community, learning together, going on that journey together, building products for women financial education products to get them excited, to remove the unnecessary jargon, to make it relatable, to deliver it from women instead of, you know, we have over 80 and 90% of financial advisors and wealth managers, um, respectively, are male. So, you know, no one's building a product for you, Zoe. You know, Mm. no one cares because you're not one of their clients and I'm not and our daughters won't be. They're building them for men because men are largely the clients of these big organizations that are building financial products. So if you engage Zoe um, with some products that are built by her and they're delivered by me, who you recognize, who you can relate to, the, the engagement is very, very different. Yeah, absolutely. I love um, that you've brought up uh, women's health and I know on um, another podcast the purpose of actually talk you talked um, about that women when they create businesses often it's for women to help women to support women and is that because there aren't um, the companies the businesses that they're not being created for women like you said oh my gosh it's yeah. so frustrating yeah. Yeah, I think female health is one of those major areas. And it's something that you and I have spoken about for, for many years and, and on and off since we had the children. Um, we certainly had our fair share of, um, you know, female health concerns around that as well. You know, pregnancy, post-pregnancy, all of that, you know. Um, and so absolutely, I think, of course, women are building businesses in all areas. Um, but if you think about women, if you think about for women, we generally um, identify gaps in the market. Oh my goodness. I cannot believe that I go to the doctor and my contraceptive options are like the same as what my mom had 40 years ago, right? This is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to like do some research here and I'm like, uh, you know, I'm going to see if I can change this or think about this or endometriosis. You're fed up with your period pain every month that's me by the way um you know or period care like what are your options like they're all rubbish um and so we we see these gaps because there are gaps of course because if you do have a period care business chances of you walking into a vc of men and it's not a reflection on these men are awful it's just how can they understand what a period pain feels like or you know leakage or you know Mm -hmm. all the problems women have so um it's much easier to, you know, if I pitch to you, Zoe, uh, a product for pregnancy, you, you've been there, you've done that, and you're going to go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I get that. Like, it's obvious. So, of yeah. course, we find more gaps um, because we're not funded as much. I love what you're doing because it's it's a long road, it, but the, the work that you're doing is going to make significant, huge changes for women now and in the future because what what have what have women been doing where have they been going have they been going into these rooms full of men that don't understand or have they just been having to source elsewhere like what 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 what's it been historically what have they been doing mostly sitting on their money um in cash so it's sitting on their wealth in cash in the bank um which is why like we have a lot of um financial institution clients so if you're a bank um, you might partner with us at Sophia because we can come along, roll us out to your female customers, 
um, get them excited, engaged, knowledge, you know, community, all of those things with where money's concerned. And then at the end of it, they say, oh, I'm really excited to start investing and I understand this now and I'm ready to go. Um, and, and here's my bank, you know, who's offered me this great service from Sophia. I'm going to start investing with them. So you can see why they work mm. with us. Um, and we're third party. So we're a bit more trusted because women, we're quite, mm-hmm. we're quite skeptical actually as women. Like we're quite, mm-hmm. you know, we don't trust easily, especially financial education. And I get it, right? If you, it's a bit of a joke, but you think, oh yeah, oh yeah, you're just trying to sell me something like for your own benefit. Like this is not impartial advice, but we do provide that. So I can totally see. So yeah, they've been not been doing much at all. So we feel like, of course, we feel it's like game changing what we're offering. Um, but I genuinely think like it, it is and it can be for women. Um, but I think one of the things I do just want to mention um, today is someone asked me this morning um, if I wanted to be connected to a group. She sent me the link and it was about um, it was about, you know, motivating and inspiring and engaging girls to dream big and be anything they want. Now, I don't know about you, Zoe, because um but our daughters um our daughters are second second children, um, which gives them a sort of confidence edge anyway, and then they're girls. Um, so probably, you know, quite strong and and my daughter's certainly quite feisty. Um yeah, yeah you recognize all of that. Um <laughs> I don't think my daughter needs any more inspiring, motivating, encouraging. What needs to happen is our boys, our older children, need to grow up in a world where they see their sisters as their equal. That is the most important thing because it it feels like we're often trying to say, well, what are women doing wrong? Where can they do, how can they do something better? So they don't get access to funding. They don't get paid as much. They're not in the senior roles. It must all be the women. Like the problem must be with them. And, And I, I disagree with that wholeheartedly. Of course, we can, we, we can all do better, everyone. But I really don't think that we should put the focus on such young girls. This was very young girls. And I said, actually, I, I don't think this is for me. I think as far as I can see, girls around me, children, they're fully empowered and ready to go. They've got, you know, they're firecrackers. And um, they just don't, they just don't, they, they will, their blocker will be if men block block them um not um not themselves they're not they're not holding themselves back that is brilliant everything you just said is like the perfect soundbite because I love that you a looked at what they were doing and then said it's not for me because let's just take a step back actually and I think you're totally totally right it's I've read uh, I don't know if you've read uh, The Authority Gap I am so obsessed with that book and her anecdotes her quotes and her stats are incredible um and she talks a lot about pinning the blame on women you know she talks I mean it's vast what she goes in she goes into the workplace but also you know sexual harassment and everything in which the women is put under the microscope should she have worn those clothes should she have run in the dark with earphones and it's always the microscope is back on the women so I think it's great that yeah I totally agree my daughter is I see. I mean, she started the day this morning um, demanding to go downstairs at half past five in the morning. And I was, you know, half asleep. Like she is, she does, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. She doesn't need any more motivation. It's it's about having that conversation that we are equal. Isn't it? And that's, 
yeah and that's what yeah. we need to tell them so I'm really glad you brought up brought that up because that's really interesting and the more research you do the more I delve into it the more frustrated I get and when they're little I know we've talked as well about finances like I've implemented some of the um the tips that you've given me about pocket money and things and about teaching children about money but it being equal you know can you tell us a little bit more about that like I know I'm really interested in um the fact that boys are sort of there's more focus on math growing up and do you think that's starting to change that we're that we are making boys and girls a little bit more equal or are you still seeing that in families so I think historically girls we're as parents we're much more inclined to talk to girls uh, sorry to talk to boys about business and and finance than we are to our girls which is obviously you know this is a, this is a, a something that um historically you know girls grew up and they became mums and they didn't work right so this is like it made sense we don't need to teach our girls um about money and business because they're not going to be in money and business right i get it With that that used to be our world that's not our reality anymore um we uh, you know have many friends that are the breadwinners of the families here in singapore um and so it is imperative that everyone is given an equal you know um access to the same education same opportunities same pay all of those things um but it's interesting because I have two anecdotes here on this point. One is I recently ran a workshop for some students and um, there were a mix of, there were university students, a mix of girls and boys here in Singapore and gave them a pen and said, write on the wall um, what your current financial literacy status is like out of 10. Is it four or five, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the girls all wrote twos and threes, all of them. There wasn't anything higher than a three. The boys wrote nines and tens. And these were university students. So, and we were a bunch, uh, I had two uh, investment professionals with me and no, none of us wrote 10 out of 10. Like everyone, you know, we, we didn't rank any of us thought 10 out of 10, you know, eight or nine out of 10. These, these university students, boys had written 10 out of 10. Like there was nothing left to learn. Um, at 20 years old. And I just thought, you know, whilst I completely disagree that he's likely a 10 out of 10, I also think the girls are unlikely a two or three out of 10, but it shows a huge confidence gap at this early age. Mm. Um, and yet they probably received exactly the same level of financial education, which is probably next to nothing. Um, but there's a confidence gap. So what does that confidence lead to? Well, it often leads to action. So if those boys um, are confident in their abilities, which they clearly were, you know, they're going to take an action and they're going to take an investment step and what they're going to learn from that investment step. Now, rightly or wrongly, that confidence might, you know, that confidence was probably misplaced, but nevertheless, it's going to be the thing that gets them to take action versus the girls and the lack of confidence will see them shy away from conversations about money and engaging. So that's a huge difference already at university age. This morning, I just interviewed some other university students, all girls. Um, two of them had received no financial education whatsoever from parents or school. And the, um, the third had financial advisor parents and they, um, they had given her good, uh, you know, advice from a very young age. And the difference is the three of them head out into 
the big wide world of finishing university, um, the paths that those three are, are heading on are very, very different, very different. And in terms of confidence, in terms of knowledge, and in terms of risk appetite. Um, and so this, I think, speaks volumes that we must teach girls from a really young age, from the age of four, I would say, um, and, and boys too, obviously, let's not overlook the boys, but everyone, financial education from age four via the pocket money is so important. And I talk about it all the time, but Cambridge University says by the age of seven, many of our money habits are formed. So imagine if we wait until they're 12, because a lot of parents think, well, I'll wait till they can understand. No, they understand at four. They, they can understand at four very simply, but you embed those habits every week. That's how they learn. That's fascinating. I know. I, I, I love those tips from you. I, I'm honestly, it's, it, it, so interesting when you delve a little deeper because we weren't doing the whole pocket money thing but it makes sense the more I mean my parents were pretty on it talking about finances and money they had their own business and I feel like it it was inbuilt in us but yeah not enough people doing it and the repercussions it's like when you talk about that confidence I was really shocked when those girls were writing twos and threes like yeah work needs to be done um, well, Zoe, what, think about think about what we grew up with. Um, I'm showing my age here, but like, you know, I grew up in an era, I wasn't a massive fan, but of Sex in the City and shows mm-hmm. like that, you know, or sh- Diaries of a Shopaholic. Girls shop. That's what we do, right? We flick mm. our hair and we shop <laughs> and we spend all our money on Louis, Bata- Louis Vuittons or Louboutins or whatever. Like, no, we don't. Of course we don't. But this is the narrative that's been fed mm-hmm. for decades. Um, and so... With, if you're told something over and over again, you, you may well start to believe that. And yeah. obviously, you know, when was the last time you sat around, Zoe, and chatted with your girlfriends about what you're investing in? Like, girl, women women are just generally not doing that, but I bet the boys are. The guys mm-hmm. are very confident and, you know, uh, willing to, to share that. And that, you know, making a space to talk about it and learn from each other is where they take action. And yeah, women are just not doing that. Yeah. yeah. What sort of reaction are you getting from the companies, the corporates? You know, when you're pitching, I'm keen to know, you know, we know that men are in lead, that more men are in leadership. What's, what's the general reaction? Um, that's a very good question. Um, <laughs> so um, I think it's a mixed bag. I think a lot of people understand why we're targeting women specifically. Um one caveat is that we've worked with a number of clients already and they want to roll us out to everyone. And what we say is that's totally fine, right? The, the, the key here is that if you work at, I don't know, let's say Facebook or Meta as it's called now, if you work at Meta and Meta sends you an email and it says, Hey, Zoe, we partnered with a financial literacy company as part of your benefits package. Here you go, go sign up. You're probably not going to sign up but all the guys will. If Meta sends out a message to all employees and says, hey, everyone, we've partnered with Sophia, a financial platform for women, built by women, you know, and look at the coloring, look at the marketing, look at the style, look at our expert speakers, all women, like this is this has got women written all over it. Oh, and by the way, guys, you're free to sign up too. Mm-hmm. You will see an overwhelming female sign up versus the other communication, which is just generic. Yeah. 
So whilst financial education is not gendered, it's not like we're talking about shoes and handbags. We're talking about, you know, financial concepts. It, it is about packaging. And you will know this as being a marketing professional. Like it's about marketing. We're speaking mm-hmm. to a very defined group of people in a very specific way. And of course, everyone else is welcome. Like men buy our courses that we don't mind. Um, but we just want that the women are the ones that we're targeting. So yes, I think, so as long as we have that narrative, we're not saying to corporates, oh no, we only work with your women. Um, so we're very open-minded in that way. And I think that allows for other, for lots of corporates to consider us. Um, but I think COVID has changed the narrative around mental health, like, and mm-hmm. the uh, acceptance of the, you know, the need to focus on mental health um, and financial health, actually, even though we're not a mental health platform, financial health is number one. It's a foundation. No one can, you know, enjoy their meditation or their yoga class or any of those things if they are worried sick about paying the bills. Mm-hmm. And the financial state and the global economy is, is like is, we're in a dire place right now. Mm-hmm. So it's more important than ever to support your employees um, yeah. uh, or your customers with with managing their money and making it go as far as it can. Yeah, I think that it's a smart move that they that they are going to be doing that and offering that to their employees. I'm just curious to jump back one step. Um, you know, with the marketing, that just made total sense. You know, this is a platform for women. Guys, you're not excluded. Do you advise them to market in that way or do you leave it up to them to, yeah, is that your approach? Yeah, yeah we do. We do. We like it. We like that approach because, because like, you know, despite everything I've said today, um, you know, I love guys and I want and and we we know the data tells us diverse teams are the best teams mm-hmm. the best decisions the best financial performance like so we don't want to just be you know women i, I don't believe women are going to rule the world or women are you know it should be it, it's equal equality is what we want um an equal opportunity and access so we just want um we want corporates to offer us to everyone because when you switch on one of our courses, um, whether you're male or female, you, you won't be, um, feel excluded. You won't feel, it's not like we're banging on every five seconds about women's rights. We're just delivering financial content in a way that we know women want to learn. Um, so yeah, we're open. That is exciting. I can't wait to see what, um, you know, the companies that take, that take you up and how, how the reaction goes, you know, over the next few years and the changes that we'll hopefully start to see. Um, obviously with Jobs for Women, we taught, we're working with a lot of university students, um, are, you know, inviting them to our webinars. We're talking about, you know, getting into these often male dominated industries and what's coming up a lot is you know, potential assumptions about being a woman going into the industry um, and maybe some worries or concerns about it. Um, what do you think companies, financial companies, financial businesses can do to attract and retain women going into the industry? That's a really good question. Obviously, the number one thing they can do is partner with Sophia because that that speaks volumes to your women employees that you 
value, you recognize the challenges and you value them. But it's not just Sophia, of course, it's many other things like that, that, you know, there are certain things that women will face. Um, and, you know, this is the thing that brought us together, time off work, pregnancies, you know, returning to work, breastfeeding, all these things, right? These are just part and parcel of our life. And they're not things that women ever want to compromise on. And we don't want to be backed into a corner where we're having to choose career or family because that doesn't make us happy either. You know, if we're picking one or the other, you want balance. And and I think um, corporates, I think my simplistic view on this is if you can't see women who look like you in those organizations, um, and I'm not just talking about, you know, there are a couple of women at the top, so it must be okay. I'm talking about women that actually have a good work-life balance, they're happy, they're managing, you know, a family, if that's what you've got. Someone that looks representative of, of the type of person that you are. Um, and, and you can see a number of those people flourishing, then this is the organization for you. But I think that switching the power dynamic is, is, it's not, it's not all about, you know, where can I get a job? I've got to take any job. I want, you know, we want women to think about what type of environment they want to be in and doing their due diligence to ensure that. And from the corporate perspective, um, like it's a no brainer. If you don't have women in diverse and not just women, but across all areas mm-hmm. of diversity um, and, and, and in the UK, one of our biggest challenges is that in these very large corporates where I'm from in London, it's like, okay, everyone might have slightly different skin color, but everyone comes from the same universities and everyone comes from similar backgrounds, similar families. And it's not, so it's not just gender, but it's like, you know, different socioeconomic, uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, students coming from universities, etc. like different universities, be open. We don't just have to hire from Cambridge and um, uh, Oxford. Like I remember when I was hiring, I used to look at lawyer CVs and um, look at like, oh, wow, this, this girl or boy would be amazing. Look at a CV, look at their CV on paper, like tick every box and, you know, make you feel almost very, um, you know, like you haven't achieved anything in life um, and they're like half your age. And then you meet them and you're like, oh my goodness, we couldn't put you in front of a client. Um, and so it isn't just about uh, companies that think that it's just about where you went to university or, um, you know, what your grade was is like, this is just such narrow thinking. You're never going to mm-hmm. get the right team. Um, and so come, I would, uh, you know, encourage companies to be much more open minded in terms of wh- where they're hiring, who they're hiring through, um, the types of people. My best employees have not been the ones with the strongest CV. Um, and, and my other tip, my other tip, sorry, I did just think of one other tip that I think is really useful. I'm hiring at the moment. And you know what I do as a, as the employer is I do video video interview like sorry not video interview but I asked them to submit in their application just give me a two-minute video of you I want to see you like show me some personality show me who what you're about what you can do like why you're interested in this in two minutes three minutes this is really really because I think when you're looking at 
CVs on a piece of paper or on a screen, it's so easy not to connect with people. Um, when you're seeing video, you're like, oh, I, I like her energy. I like what she's about. I'm going to give her an interview, which you might not otherwise do. That's such a great idea. And what a great way to stop wasting people's time. It's like going yeah. through that process is laborious and it's, you know, time is our most precious asset, isn't it? That's what we have. So to then go through the CVs and then go through the process when you can, and you can pick up on energy. You can literally in two minutes be like, I get them and yeah, I can see them as a good yep. fit. I think it's interesting. I know we've got to wrap up really soon. Um, when you talked about seeing the woman, not just a token couple of people on the board, but it's seeing them leaving early to pick their children up, having to leave the office because they need to be somewhere. It's actually seeing them doing the mother and managing um, the career at the same time, rather than, like you say, just having a token few people. Role models are so important. When I think back in my career, um, I often looked up, looked at the ladder to see what was going on. And it does make such a difference. And that's coming through loads through the webinars that we're doing. We also did a women in engineering webinar and there was um, a great uh, woman, young woman um, at Land Rover Jaguar. And she's doing like a vocational course where the, the company pays for the degree. So she's like mixing it up. So she hasn't done the linear straight route going to uni and then. And she said she feels so empowered because she's learning on the job and it was just a different routine yeah. so I think that's really interesting so before we wrap up and um there's loads more I could ask you I could chat to you all day um if you could go back 20 years what would you do differently is there anything that you can think of yo so much um <laughs> right so, I've got half an hour right <laughs> uh, so many regrets no not regrets because actually <laughs> Actually, you know what, like for, for most of us, I've had some real career highs and real career lows, a lot of career lows, but those career lows really teach you a lot about other humans and, 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 and scenarios and situations. So I wouldn't take most of it back. Um, but so first thing I would do is, um, I would have in, educate I would educate myself better when it comes to financial literacy at a much younger age. Like this is like number one, like I would, empower myself because that will also really help you to your in your industry like women that are financially empowered will go in and they will ask for what they deserve in a in a salary negotiation right this feeds into everything like financial literacy going in and asking for what you deserve in a job going in and asking investors for money for your business it gives you that confidence to do all of these things. So I would 100%, um, that would be my number one thing. My second thing would be that um, I realize now that just because I was younger doesn't mean that my opinion wasn't valid or that I couldn't push back on certain things. And that because people are older or more experienced, that they knew better. Um, and I think actually we live in a world where we're much more open. Um, there's some hierarchical uh, industries still, but for most of us, certainly where I am in like the startup world, like you, the youngsters, I sound so old saying that, but like the youngsters bring such new vision and ideas and I'm learning from them and it's like the roles have reversed um and so I wish that like I wish I had pushed back more um and questioned more and raised my hand more um when I was younger 
Um, and the third thing would be that um, I wish I valued my contribution more. Um, and I, I think as women, um, we're constantly, I don't want to say it's imposter syndrome because I'm not sure I, I agree with that. I think we're just told we have imposter syndrome. Um, but I think that we, um, we probably don't often, we have an opinion. We know that it's right, but we're not pushing it forward enough. So it's not that we think we're wrong. Um, but we're just not, um, we're not being assertive enough. Um, and I think that I wish I had been able to do that. And also, sorry, I have four things actually. Sorry. Mm-hmm. My fourth <laughs> thing is, is, is relationships, is understanding that those people around you in your work environment are crucial. Like whether you like them or not, whether you get on or not, like be in an environment where you thrive because of the people in your team, because of the people you work with, you're enjoying and, and trust your instincts in that regard. I've had my fingers burnt with co-founders in the past. And I'm just like, like I knew that, but I did it anyway. And I like just trust in your instincts a little more and work with people that really like get you, your people, find your people. That is the most amazing answer. I'm going to, I need to soundbite those points because anyone in their early career listening, that is the most amazing advice. When you think about it, I wish I'd have been more assertive, believed in myself, questioned. It's kind of like that yes person mentality, isn't it? Like when you're younger, when you're in your early career, do that or this is how we do it. Okay, yes, yes, yes. Instead yes. of saying, hang on, actually. Let's mm. just take it back. And yeah, intuition is huge. I know we're both yogis and there's a lot about listening in. And I think that's such amazing advice. I'm going to definitely sound by all of those because, you know, if someone, if I'd have read that in my early career and really listened to it and put it into action, then I could have, you know, you can shape your career. And I loved what you said about the financial literacy, number one, because yeah, what comes up again and again at Jobs for Women is asking for the salary that you deserve that you know that you deserve and that you want and asking for the raise so yeah I love that amazing answer I know we've gone way over um, <laughs> you are a fountain of knowledge on this subject and I'm just so happy that you were able to share um share everything that you're doing and your own experiences so thank you if anyone wants to connect with you what's the best way I can put anything in the show notes what's the best method uh, probably LinkedIn Okay. Yes, LinkedIn. Yeah, I'm very popular. I'm very popular. I'm not popular. I'm you very are popular. <laughs> you check out her LinkedIn, guys. She's very popular. <laughs> I'm, very, I'm, I'm very active. That's the word, active. I'm very active there. <laughs> oh, yeah, check me out. I'm so popular. <laughs> you are. Okay, Fab. So I'll put that in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I can't wait to have you on our job, on our Women in Finance webinar. Um, at the end of January. So thank you so much. Thanks, sorry. Loved it. Thank you. I really, truly loved recording that with Tanya. She's one of my favourite people. We met all those years ago, as we said, at NCT in London when we had our first baby. So I feel like we've always had a very deep-rooted connection. And I felt like our values always aligned. Uh, We had really similar interests. And now I feel like the universe has brought us back together because of all the work Tanya's doing. She is incredible. She is so intelligent. She's
so experienced. She has amazing connections. She is the top 10 LinkedIn voices uh, for gender equality in Singapore. She's amazing. You need to connect with her. You need to look into her companies. I cannot recommend connecting with her enough. She's helped me beyond belief with jobs for women. She, you know, from from the get go, she was like, you know, use me as a sounding board, send me things, I'll read them. She's connected me with other incredible women. And she's just amazing. So I really hope you enjoyed that episode. If you want to see any, any other guests, do reach out to me. Let me know, zoe at jobsforwomen.co.uk. And if you're an employer looking to reach more women in your recruitment, then get in touch. We've got loads of options and loads of ways that we can partner with you. And uh, I'm excited for what 2023 is going to bring because we've already had so much going on. So take care of yourselves. Don't forget to subscribe and I'll see you next time.